0: Don't be afraid to take a chance and pilot a program. If it doesn't work out, so what? That's okay. Try something again. Um, Don't be afraid to look at solutions and then throw them out because they maybe didn't meet expectations and then never try another one. But um, I think that's gonna take a lot of openness from upper management. And I think as you see this generational shift happening, you're gonna see more and more companies that are willing to try things Um, more often and not worry so much about failure. I think there are a lot of perfectionists in the industry and um, that that can really work against us in some ways if if we're afraid to try new things.
1: It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward looking and innovative companies like Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo, provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production.
2: Welcome to the Swine It podcast show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode.
1: This episode's sponsor highlight is about Zinpro. Since 1971, Zinpro has focused on improving the health and well-being of animals. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zinpro.com.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Chris Baumgars, who's the founder of Every Pig. Chris, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks. Nice to see you again.
2: Nice to see you and welcome back to the Swine It podcast. We're excited to have you on today. Um, For our audience who may not be as familiar with you, maybe let's just start with a very simple introduction and and background about yourself.
0: Sure, so um, I grew up in Northwest Iowa in a town called Orange City. Um, My dad was a veterinarian who had a mixed animal practice, um, which later started to specialize more in swine. Um, Sioux County, Iowa, I think has close to about a million and a half pigs and somewhere around 35,000 people. So um, there were plenty of pigs around um, growing up. Um, I got into business uh, with my dad in 2008 um, when he was still practicing as a veterinarian, but had started owning and raising pigs with some of his clients that were uh, having a hard time staying in business as consolidation really accelerated and A lot of producers had to get really get bigger get efficient or they weren't going to be in business and so i spent 10 years um with him at rc family farms and spent a lot of time buying pigs off the spot market and finding new um wean to finish barns nurseries and finishers all around the midwest um and then back in um 2016-ish i started on every pig um, which essentially is a software platform that digitized um, paper barn sheets and facilitates telemedicine and communications. And so I've been focused full time on that for about four years now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly. We visited with, um, with you, or I visited with you last time on Every Pig, and it was a really interesting platform. And I really like to go a little bit deeper, not so much into the platform and the software, but uh, maybe kind of the whole the purpose or the development of the software, as we talked about last time, was associated with labor needs and a way to make things a little bit more efficient, and really wanted to kind of challenge you a bit on some other strategies that you see would bring value to how we manage barns today. And so I'm going to start with maybe something very broad and and say, you know, in your experience in the four years that you've been working on developing Software to help, where do you find our biggest gaps in management?
0: Oh, you're starting off with a tough question. That's a good one. I think um, communication is a real challenge. There seems to be a lot of siloed off communication in the industry, which may be one on one from a manager to a caregiver. Um, It may be um, from a caregiver to a veterinarian. But I don't think we're doing a great job of overall organizational. Um, transparency and centralized communication that allow us to really take advantage of the different team members that we have in place, whether that's production managers, vets, and caregivers. Um, When they're in one place and everyone has access to all the data, um, you really see a um, a nice teamwork happening that helps to really reduce mortality rates. And that's what I think that we're all after. Um, But too often the information is just coming in too little too late and the right people aren't um, having access to that. So I think that's a real challenge um, that technology is going to help us address. And um, some of the other benefits of that, um, it's definitely going to be participation from your good caregivers. You know, a lot of these um, pig caregivers out there are former owners of pigs and they do have quite a bit of knowledge. And in my experience, we've noticed that they engage more and more with veterinarians and field managers when they get feedback. Um, One of the interesting things I've seen in the last few years is that most caregivers, even if it's not written into their contract, are happy to open up a pig and perform a post-mortem or an autopsy and upload that photo or video um, as long as they're getting feedback from somebody on it. They don't want to do it if it's just going into a black hole and, and no one's going to make use of the information. But they're happy to do it if they can get some sort of um, clinical or or gross diagnosis, at least some direction from a veterinarian. Um, And then they really seem to um, gravitate towards that. So I think technology offers a a real big opportunity here to help bring us all closer to our farms.
2: Mm -hmm. I think there's always been some. Some conversations around how we communicate with the different tiers, and, and particularly in larger production systems, where um, certain certain tiers need to know different pieces of information, and and certainly the language is different, right? So talking yeah. to a veterinarian, that's a whole different set of terminology and languages versus talking to my farm manager, and and so how do we share that information so that we're not essentially hiring somebody to do the middle translation, but yet allowing those that are actively involved at the farm, like you said, to be able to follow and, and see what's going on. And um, I agree, I think it's really important, but I think that is that challenge, right, of how do we communicate it back to a level, um, but not make it so that it's more work, right, for, for people to get that back to them.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think um, standardization of language in the industry has a long ways to go, and I completely agree. Finding a common language that everyone understands would really be advantageous for improving. Um, I think the overall um, animal health and welfare in general. Um, the way we're going to get through that is is finding words that we can all use with each other. Just one one quick example of that communication gap is. Um, English and Spanish here in the United States. So many of our caregivers now um, and are speaking Spanish, for example, and oftentimes they'll have managers and veterinarians that only speak English um, that they're having a hard time with. And this is another area technology can fill in. Um, Google Translate functionalities, whether it's through an app, um, email or other um, platforms can really help um, two people in the same organization that haven't been able to communicate together really start to understand each other. Um, but I do think you touched on an important issue of standardization of language is going to be something that's going to be really important as we move forward.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. You know, I've I've noticed that that Google Translate and some of those other translation services they do a better job than maybe what they did even five to ten years ago. I can remember typing signs in in English and having them translated and taking them out to the farm and the staff shaking their head at me and saying, that's not appropriate or that's not correct. And um, it's a different type of of Spanish language. Right. And that was that was one of the challenges we had. So um, I think you're right. As technology has evolved, it's it's opening up those doors. We just have to now figure out how to practice it and use it efficiently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and you just maybe think about something that's really interesting and maybe um, relevant to the audience. You mentioned Google Translate. You're right. When it came out, it was very hard to use, almost unusable. And that's how most technology starts out. Um, and over time, it gets better and better and better. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business. And I think that's one of the lessons maybe that Um, could be translated to the industry. Maybe I've seen a lot of producers out there that I've talked to over the years who have tried a new technology product, whether it was hardware or software. I mean, it's incredible. Sometimes 10, 15 years ago, and it didn't work to their expectations. And so they wrote it off forever. I'd really encourage producers out there, hey, take another look. If that company's still in the game and you're still not collecting those data points, or that that problem's not solved for you take another look because if they're still around that company's probably improved quite a bit with their technology and worked out some of those things that you initially saw as a, a problem that prohibited you from using it
2: mm mm-hmm. yeah i think you're absolutely right once bitten and and nobody wants to go back to it so you're that's a very good point is that we need to allow that technology to evolve and and always go back to it and see what's changed and and see if it has a new fit in your facilities, in your business. So that's very good. Um, what about, I mean, so we we talked a little bit on communication with, with the staff, but how do we um, handle that from just a true labor standpoint? Okay, I think we continue to discuss labor in the industry, and it's, it's not unique to ag or even swine. But how do we start to really move technology in the ag field because if we really look we are quite behind in terms of progressive technology and and so what is your vision as far as technology movement
0: yeah that's a a broad question and and um i think in my experience it starts with leadership in the organization um if you're a leader in any of these pork production or management companies really take a look at yourself and think, am I facilitating and encouraging innovation and positive change in my company? Um, Most caregivers, the vast majority, 90% plus in my experience have smartphones. And I think a lot of times leadership is underestimating the rest of the organization's technical capabilities. um, And oftentimes they're using it as an excuse not to change. And I think there are practices out there that we might want to look at such as, um, are, is every one of the on-farm visits absolutely necessary, or are there cases where some photo and video uploads with more context around the situation going to save you time and going to allow your team to cover twice as many farms a day? or five or 10 times as many farms today. We really, um, COVID's taught us a lot about that as well, right? Through telemedicine visits, where before we might have to go in and get an appointment with a doctor and wait in a waiting room, which is pretty uncomfortable, and maybe we're surrounded by other sick people. In the meantime, for a, a diagnosis that might have been able to be covered over telemedicine, And I think we need to, as an industry, look at our practices and figure out, okay, what have we been doing for the last 10, 20, 30 years that maybe served us in the past, but there might be better tools out there today that make some of these practices um, a bit outdated. And then how can we make our team more efficient? I don't think it's necessarily a matter of hiring more people. I think a lot of companies that I see in the industry are sufficiently staffed. What they have a problem with Is the way that they're collecting and communicating data is very antiquated. And so if a lot of companies would take a look at their practices using their existing team and implement some of these change in processes and technological solutions, they could have a much more efficient operation. But that's always going to be driven by leadership that's willing to change and willing to take a bit of a risk. And then empower the team and let them know why you're making this change and let them know, hey, this isn't because we feel like we need to babysit everybody. This is because we have an obligation um, to do things like stay in compliance, to understand which treatments you're giving animals, to recognize when pigs are coughing instead of looking at mortality reports that are six months old. All that stuff made sense 20 years ago when there weren't better solutions out there. Um, but today, we really have an opportunity to start to jump ahead of a lot of these health challenges.
2: Mm-hmm. I think you bring up some good points. Certainly, um, over the years, I've worked with a lot of developing technology or, or new technology and not necessarily on the software side, but more what we saw on the barn. So whether it yep. was an RFID reader or you know some new handheld device that would help record and Like many things, as you just mentioned, we probably needed to give it a few more evolutions before we said no. Um, But how do we start to integrate some of that technology into the barns? And and how I'm saying that or why I'm asking that is you use smartphones, for example, and the only vision I have is them falling through the slats. (laughs) And so... (laughs) And, and being awkward, right? So if I have employees that are trying to move a pig and something happens and it falls out of their pocket and gets cracked, that's always been sometimes, well, not always, but that's sometimes that limitation that we hear from the producer. It's expensive to implement and things break easily or they fall into the pits. And so how do we help kind of go to that next step and, and move that technology?
0: Yeah, I think when we look at hardware and software, um, they're really two completely different worlds. Um, Hardware comes with a number of unique challenges. For example, when I was a producer and we had pigs on 350 plus contract farms, we weren't real um, keen on buying hardware that we would have to spend a lot of money on and install on contract farms that maybe we wouldn't be in next turn. And I think that's um, definitely a headwind that a lot of the hardware companies face. Um, it's gotta get cheaper, no doubt about it. There are new companies coming out with cheaper hardware solutions, um, cheaper sensor solutions. And I think um, easy to install cheaper hardware that communicates with software. Um, you know, We call those in the industry APIs, integrations, um, All you need to know is that these systems need to talk. And so I'd really take a look at your provider and say, "Okay, I know that there's not going to be a one size fits all solution. And that's another thing. A lot of producers are looking for one company that's promising them the world. No one can deliver that. And so they say, well, I'm not going to invest in hardware or software anymore. I think it's really important from a provider standpoint to be clear about what your company can and can't do and understand that there are going to be other systems used by your same customer. And those systems have to talk because in the end, it's the customer's data. They're the ones that need to have access to that information. So all these systems need to talk. Um, On the software side, I think, you know, we approach things at every pig from the mentality that hardware is hard and people um, are gonna have some of these Um, hesitations for investing in expensive hardware. And so um, the smartphone is getting smarter and it's an incredible data collection tool. And, um, you know, you can buy things like cases, um, you can buy um, different kinds of holders. So, you know, the phones don't fall out. Um, A lot of people are putting tablets in barns um, instead Uh, And you'll see that done. I think we see that done more on on, um, company owned barns where they have full time employees. But don't be afraid. Don't let the small speed bumps get in the way of collecting data. Um, When these problems, when you look at the size of the problems like wean to finish mortality, if you look at MetaFarm's reports from last quarter in the United States, wean to finish mortality is getting worse year over year. Well, why is that? Most companies haven't changed their practices. They're doing the same thing over and over again, and they're saying, well, we had PERS that hit us this year. Well, we had PED that hit us this year. But when you look under the hood, they haven't really changed much of anything about the way they're practicing. So um, I think there are a lot of different uh, challenges there, but um, we got to look at the size of the problem and say, you know, is this small hiccup or is a little bit of pushback from a couple of our caregivers' employees worth not implementing and, and not getting this data? But I'd really like to emphasize the importance of all these systems communicating and talking and just being honest with the pork producers about what you do because there's not going to be one system, hardware, or software that does all of it for you.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes the hang up for people to implement any technology, um, because you're right, they might be looking for the one piece, right? If I just buy it from one company, it takes care of everything. It runs my ventilation. It tells me water usage. I can enter mortalities. And, um, and the other piece to that too, is, is data overload. So as you're talking to me here about this and that and software and, and all I can be thinking about is, well, there's so much data coming at me. um, And I know it's important, right? I'm not saying it's not, but how do I start to separate the noise and how do I, determine what technology is going to funnel that vision or funnel that data rather than giving me more data to try to sort out and try to find the pieces that I want. Because I think that's something, you know, as we've seen everything evolve, there's more and more options with technology, even just in our own personal lives. And, and so it starts to become daunting. So I, I think that's my next question to you is really, how do we how do we work to to make sure we're identifying technology that helps funnel those data to key points so that we can start to interpret it rather than just giving us more information that's harder to see through the weeds
0: good question i think from a software standpoint um one thing we've learned is that people in our industry don't want to be alerted very often there are they already feel like they're being alerted from enough places and so Making systems as customizable as possible is really important. Let, let customers, let the producers, the veterinarians and field managers determine where their thresholds are at, how they want it to be, how they want to be alerted, when they want to be alerted. I think that's a really big thing. Um, and from there, I'm of the opinion, the more context that you're able to provide, the better. Just don't throw it all in people's faces as if all data is equal. Um, you know, academic veterinarians, for example, have luxuries that practicing veterinarians, um, inside a large pork production company might not have one of those being time. So if you're a veteran in-house veterinarian for a company raising a million pigs a year, um, your, your idea of granularity and your idea of how much time they have to respond to an issue might be very different. And so what they need to see to make those decisions is going to be different. And I think making that as customizable as possible um, is incredibly important. I think the other thing is we're a long ways from data overload in the industry. I would I would really push back against people making that argument. I think if you look at bringing up mortality reports again, everyone in the industry is lo- used to looking at closeout reports. You know, that, that's been out there for 30 years. But as a former producer, I can tell you those closeout reports in today's world are almost useless. Um, you're, You're talking about pigs that died anywhere between one and six months ago. It's 2022. What we need to do is start jumping ahead. So I challenge people in the industry. How many companies are collecting symptomatic data on their animals? How many companies have access to treatments that were given to pigs today? We really need to move to a point where we're more real-time. And I think sticking our heads in the sand and pretending like looking at a mortality report is going to make a difference um, just isn't the route to go. So I'd I'd really challenge people on that. I don't think we're anywhere close to data overload. I think what we need to do um, for companies as we continue to collect more data is customize that data, allow them to customize it. Um, so they can see what they want, and if they have the time and the interest in diving in and getting more context, really facilitating that for them as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. One thing that I always really enjoyed on the wean to finish side, not so much closeout data, is but I, I would actually look at mortality records, and I would look at them by week, and I would actually overlay multiple turns through those barns and look for patterns and causations, and and that to me was really intriguing because. I would actually then set my calendar. Well, if I know at week 12, mycoplasma is going to set this barn, I'd have a notification at week 11, hey, you need to be notifying your employees so that they can start looking and, and treating. And so that is where I sometimes challenge our software too, is how can we help pull together those trends and identifiers, even from historical data? Because when you really start going out and asking people, they don't always know that that information. Some of our caretakers do, but not everybody takes the time to look at it that way. And and that alone can can be a big influence on what's going on in the barn. So is that something you see in the software or is that still feel too antiquated and no, we need to be looking looking elsewhere?
0: Yeah, I think absolutely trends are important and, and when you're on the ground looking at the animals every day, sometimes it's hard to that perspective to see the trends that are happening. But um also more just as important or maybe more important is what you do with that data. Um what do you do once you identify the trend? Is it a problem with the genetics? Um is it a problem with the barn? Is does um, do you need to take a look at um I don't know feeder settings? Do you need to take a look at individual pig care um at a caregiver level? You know, there are just so many different factors that play in. So I think what we do with that trend information is really important. And you probably saw my eyes light up a little bit when you talked about wean to finish. Um, That's really where my background is at. And bread and butter is in that wean to finish production. I think we've come, it seems like we've come a really long ways um, and been there for a while on the sow unit side and controlling things in and around the sow unit. But wean to finish production is still pretty wild, wild west, in my opinion, for most companies. And um, again, I'll refer back to that last um, MetaFarms report I saw on on their wean to finish mortality data, which is getting worse year over year. Um, I think a lot of companies have kind of given up and they're they're kind of desensitized to seeing some of those same numbers. Um, But there's lots of opportunity on the wean to finish side to Um, really start to recognize these problems quicker. And um, I would encourage the industry, we're losing billions of dollars a year on wean to finish mortality. And and I would challenge them. A lot of that is actually preventable um, mortality, but you've got to start recognizing things and responding to things much quicker because these um, illnesses spread really fast.
2: Mm -hmm. So when you think about just some advice that you might give to management today in terms of how to integrate technology quickly into the barns. And, and that technology to me, sometimes I apologize is like sustainability. It's very broad and sure. we talk hardware, we talk software, we can talk ventilation equipment, we can talk cameras, we can talk lots of different things. But if you were to to talk to a manager today and we were talking about the next two to three years, what would be some immediate technologies that you would encourage them to pursue?
0: Anything that's helping improve your company's transparency in production practices regarding animal health and welfare, I think is healthy. And given the history of um, radical activism in the industry, it's really understandable that companies have been quite averse to this. Um, There are plenty of preventative measures in terms of cybersecurity that companies can take. And I also think... Um, instead of looking at the increased knowledge and transparency as a liability, um, it's a really easy argument to make where you say, hey, we're collecting this information because we actually are one of the companies that want to know what's going on so we can take corrective action. Um, I think there are a lot more um, tools that we can use as an industry and a lot of things we can benefit from um, in terms of collecting more data and not being afraid to turn up the transparency Um, But also, it is a bit of a threat um, out there. People, those that adapt, survive, right? And if you think that you're going to be able to operate um, in some sort of siloed fashion and not really communicate much with your team, it's just not the way the world works anymore. And it's not the way organizations run. And and you kind of addressed um, it in the beginning of the podcast. Um, The pork production industry is a long ways behind in terms of technological adoption. You didn't put it in those words, but I will. Um, I I think that's a great opportunity for us. If you're still in business, hey, good for you. You've got a real opportunity. But if we don't change fast, um, we're not going to be around much longer. And so I think um, embracing these technologies and embracing change is something that's actually going to keep you in the game, not put you out of it. So those would be some of the things that um, that I would encourage, and and just don't be afraid to take a chance and pilot a program. If it doesn't work out, so what? That's okay. Try something again. Um, don't be afraid to look at solutions and then throw them out because they maybe didn't meet expectations and then never try another one. But um, I think that's going to take a lot of openness from upper management. And I think as you see this generational shift happening, you're going to see more and more companies that are willing to try things um, more often and not worry so much about failure. I think there are a lot of perfectionists in the industry and um, that, that can really work against us in some ways, if, if we're afraid to try new things. And so we should all be encouraging our team members around us, whether they're employees or your boss, um, being willing to kind of stick your head out there and neck out a little bit and say, why don't we try this? Because we've got a problem that we'd like to deal with, and we know change is important.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big key right there. Um, one of the things I'll challenge you back a little bit on is that it's the difference between the hardware and the software, right? It's it's easy to try different softwares. It's harder if they all require different hardware um, yeah. from a biosecurity cost perspective, right? Once it's in a barn, it's, it's not leaving. So um, what would be maybe some some easy technology pieces to start with? I mean, you mentioned smartphones. So if we think of just hardware. Is, is that where you see probably the easiest access point for hardware to then jump over to software
0: yeah well the we're big on the smartphones at every pig um, obviously but i can give you one example um, about integrations and and systems needing to talk so we recently did an integration with barn tools Um, they're a great team to work with they also have an open integration philosophy Um, we have some shared customers and um, they've got a really easy to install solution and um, their solution is cheaper than historical uh, a lot of the uh, i guess legacy systems that are out there Um, and so find something that fits kind of your price range and you know a lot of larger companies especially have a little more negotiating power in terms of you know asking could we try a pilot with five of these devices And I think there are quite a few hungry companies out there that would say, yeah. And then it's really important setting up the trials to have expectations laid out clearly in the beginning and definitions of, well, what is a successful trial for for both parties? Um, But don't be afraid to do that. And I think the solutions will have to continue to get easier and easier to implement both on the hardware and software side, because we're busy and no one wants to slow down to learn a new system. So make it as familiar as possible.
2: Absolutely. I think those are great, great points for the audience.
0: It is time
1: to our
2: famous three.
1: An animal nutrition technology company offering innovative products and new applications for the swine industry. The combination of AB Vista enzymes, technical services, and nutrition expertise provides the industry with new opportunities to further improve production efficiencies. Fiber is receiving renewed interest due to its influence on the microbiome, and AB Vista has brought together research experts to discuss the industry's knowledge of fiber functionality and to introduce a symbiotic, targeted to improve fiber digestion. To request access, contact NAM at abvista.com. That's N-A-M at abvista.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, Access our partner, thepigsite.com.
2: Well, as we wrap up our time today, Chris, um, I think you you kind of summarized very well a little bit ago, the key points from today's discussion. So I'm going to jump over to those, those three common questions that we always ask. The, the first one I'm going to go back to again is, do you have a swine resource that you'd recommend to the group?
0: It's got to be swine it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like I, that I, answer. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys um, are doing a great job with your content. You've got very interesting speakers coming in from all aspects of the industry. And um, I think you're doing a really, really good job of getting people to open up and not be afraid to talk about their businesses and their struggles and what's going right for them. So um really appreciate the work you're doing. And I think you're doing a great job to open up the industry.
2: Well, thank you. Well, on the flip side of that, Maybe something that's not related to pigs. Is there a, a resource, a book, anything that you're you're into now that you'd recommend to the audience?
0: Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about change today, um, and and change management's tough, and we're going through this generational change in our industry, um, and so one of the best books I think I've read on change is called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, um, and it's on it has some really good pointers for change management and how to get um, change implemented in your organization. And so uh, I'd highly recommend Switch.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. I'll have to check that one out. I've not heard that one before. Um, So my last question, and I know I asked you this last time, but I'm gonna see if your answers changed or maybe you have a different perspective today. Um, If you can go back and think about somebody in your mind that you've identified as successful, is there something that stands out about them that you think has helped them be where they're at today?
0: Yeah, I'm going to nod my hat to kind of the older generation um, in the industry. I can think of a handful of, of guys, um, my dad included, who have been successful both on the veterinary side and the production side. And um, a few of the qualities I see in these these people is they're very persistent. Um, they're constantly learning, no matter how old they get, uh, they're constantly learning. We've worked with um, veterinarians in their 70s that have reached out to us and they say, hey, I want to learn about telemedicine. I want to learn about um, software. I want to talk to you about artificial intelligence. And when I see that, I just get really motivated and and also humbled because it's it's a never-ending process. And so it's a real reminder to me that um, we've got to continually evolve, and if you want to stay at the or get to the top, the, a lot of the people that are there never stop learning.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I've heard that one a lot lately. The the never stop learning motto is is very very strong. So very good.
0: Yeah, and it and and the the people that have that. Sorry to interrupt on a last point, but the people I see that have that also have a lot of energy, um, and I, I think it goes hand in hand. And and energy is. Um contagious, and I think that really can help uh, helps them address um, things like labor shortages and things like that because energetic leaders don't have as hard of a time attracting talent and they're they're the kind of people people want to work with and work for.
2: Absolutely, It's a very good point. And I don't mind you interrupting. that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, right. I do want to thank you again for your time. It was great to visit with you again. And for our audience, just a reminder, this is Chris Baumgars, who is part of the, or founder of the Every Pig software group. So Chris, again, thank you for your time today.
1: Thanks a lot for having me. It's always fun. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to eliteswinenutritionist.com.